Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Was there anyone on the ground there who thought this would go well, that this was a good idea? Uh, no. Military commanders I spoke to here in Afghanistan uh, predicted that the government would collapse. Other uh, analysts, experts, Afghans that I spoke to uh, in the government and out predicted that this would happen. Uh, we did numerous reports saying that this would happen, that the Afghan security forces weren't ready when the decision was made to pull the plug to evacuate Bagram Air Base. That's Richard Engel of NBC News. He was asked several times over the weekend, did you see this happening? And he said, yes, yes. Yeah. Did you watch my reports? I've been talking about it for weeks, for months. Right. I knew this right. was what was going to happen. I've been telling everybody who would listen that this was what's going to happen. Exactly this. By the way, he's got new video, and I just saw it pop up on the Twitter feed. We, I should retweet it. Of the, the crowd at the airport is getting more desperate, and I don't blame him. Because your daughter's going to be raped and you're going to get your head cut off if you don't get on a plane. Uh, according to reports, the U.S. military shot and killed two people who were armed at the airport. So things are g- getting increasingly chaotic. Hey, getting back to Richard Engel's thing, just one quibble that I have. Uh, he said military commanders, and he was just quoting them, so it's not a quibble with him. But military commanders are saying the Afghan forces were not ready. That's, that's They're never going to be ready. It's like if I crafted a bridge over a river made of, you know, copier paper and mucus, and I kept telling people it's not ready. It's an odd construction choice. <laughs> When's it going to be ready? Please. <laughs> they yeah, only showed up because we were paying them. They had no patriotism. They had no will to fight. They didn't fight at all. When would they be ready exactly, General Sir? But so the video he just showed on NBC, panicked people clinging to U.S. plane taking off from Kabul. It has gone from this could be another Saigon to is this as bad as Saigon to it's exactly the same or worse. You have people clinging to aircraft because the enemy is at the gate that we told them we can keep out. Right. Horrific. It is just amazing. And it's going to get worse because a lot of those people are going to be left behind. And you're going to start seeing videos of them, their dead bodies, or them being killed. Or even worse, I was going to say, because the Taliban is more than... Even as Nancy Pelosi is uttering such inane, idiotic statements as, the world is watching them. Some of these things sound like war crimes. They will be held accountable. When, of course, they won't. The Taliban is delighted to send out videos of so-called war crimes taking place because they want the people of Afghanistan to know how it's going to go if they dare oppose them. What is the Taliban going to do on 9-11, the 20-year anniversary of 9-11? I suspect they'll ignore it. Well, I was going to say, I, mean, I think they got to have a parade there in the Capitol. I mean, you've got to make some sort of statement or burning American flags there in the in the freaking governor's office or their Bagram Air Force Base that we ran for 20 years, beheading mm-hmm. people or whatever. I mean, they get to they get to spike the football big on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. You came in after that and now you're gone. And you know who runs the place now? We do. Yeah, I could see him doing that, although the one thing you have to remember about these uh, Taliban people is they're incredibly practical. I mean, they are uh, they are practically animals in their practicality. 
and their understanding of reality. They don't put out fluffed up press releases and believe them. They, they deal in hard, brutal reality. And I think the reality is that uh, the only thing that they can really stand in their way of the utter domination of Afghanistan for the next thousand years is the United States. And so they don't particularly want to provoke us. But, you know, we'll see. I don't know. Before we read, well, yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. That's why I think they're letting us get out, uh, get people out at the airport. They don't have to let us, but they are. It's not in their interest. They want to, they don't right. want to bring down America. They want to run Afghanistan. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Molly Hemingway just tweeted, and this, this is my favorite take on this whole thing, and I wish more people would buy into it. The war is drawn, drawn to a humiliating end, not because of weak presidents' missteps in final weeks but because the entire project was misconceived. Afghanistan was not ready for democracy, and trillions of dollars in American aid could not even begin to change that fact. I wish that's the lesson we had learned. That, and you combine that with just the way your bureaucracies work, because it happened under Obama, Bush, Trump, and Biden, that the military didn't filter up reality to the top. It just seems to be a fact of life. Right. And the intelligence services and the State Department and all the bureaucracies. And part of it I understand in that, you know, I've been, I've been part of bad sports teams at times. We got beat a lot. But, you know, every game you'd work up the, we can do this. We can do this. Let's give it our best effort. You got to be optimistic. And so I understand there's some level of self delusion there. And or if you don't do that, you might as well not play. And if you're being ordered to play, quote unquote, play to train the Afghan forces, you go and you do your very best. On the other hand, and we talked about this real early in the show, but this is such a great illustration of how truth does not filter upward. Or it doesn't filter upward enough and or when it does get to the very, very top, the top, whether it's the president or the chairman of the Joint Chiefs or whatever, is not willing to say, look, years ago, they decided we could build some sort of modern state in Afghanistan. I don't think it's so. You can call you can say I'm giving up if you want. I don't think it'll ever work, and I advocate we get out. And just say that. I don't know why we kept calling it a war all these years. I think that boxed us into certain non-realities by claiming it was a war. Wars have sure, you either win or lose a war. Yeah. No, if we're as just... opposed to let's like it's an urban redevelopment project, really, or we're just here to. Kind of keep the lid on things somewhat. That's fine. I think it's fine. It's what we were doing. Yes, and I've not met a single human being who can't understand that. But for some reason, that's verboten in the in the media or or politics. I just I don't get it. I I don't get humanity. Maybe that's my problem. Are you going to finally tell us about the guy who had a horse in his house or whatever happened that happened? I really really wish we'd gotten to it earlier. It was it's such a such a fine horse related story. Yeah, so we'll we'll do that next segment. Third segment, I do want to do this cuz uh Hansen highlighted it for me and it's very helpful. Washington Post. It explains completely how this happened in a way that you haven't heard yet. This will this will, you know, if it comes up in conversation with your friends, you will have the answer to why the Taliban was able to take over the country in what looked like a week. Mm, um okay. the Washington Post has laid that out very cleanly. So That's on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. 
National nightmare is over. Andrew Cuomo has resigned. He's going to be governor for two more weeks. Well, he says there's a lot of things to do, a lot of loose ends to tie up, you know, administrative duties to fulfill. He also wants to take one more shot at Teresa at the zoning board. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the <laughs> Jeez! Oh, wow, <laughs> that's 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 not helpful. It's improper. It's impolite. So uh, I've been threatening it for some time now, and been uh, really, really looking forward to relating this story to you. Man arrested after deputies find horse and house. I've uh, coming I've up th- why the Afghan military collapsed. But first, <laughs> <laughs> before Jack depresses the crap out of us again, I would like to relate this story to you. And I've been forced to go to three different accounts to cobble together all of the aspects of this. And and I submit to you, this story is going to end with me describing a crime that you've never heard of before. It is the first time I believe this crime has ever been committed, okay. which is saying something. All right, so here's what happens. Gal calls the cops. She says, I just seen my neighbor. This is in uh, rural South Carolina. She says, I just seen my nephew ride by on a horse. I know he's a thief, and he doesn't own a horse. And I think he may have taken it into his daddy's house. Into the, the cops house. Are like, the cops are like, okay, your nephew was on a horse, and he may have brought it into the house. All right. Okay. So you see, maybe, they, because your nephew is a thief, when you see him on a horse, you assume it's he stole it. Well, he's horseless. He, he owns no horse. So, you know, unless he borrowed the thing, he's probably stolen it, which turns out to be correct. And so she says, this guy, it's a Gary Coble Jr. Okay. So the cops go to the house, which happens to be his dad's house. And they say, hey, you got a horse in there? Come on out. And old Gary Coble Jr. says, And so the cops call his dad and say, Hey, we think your son's holed up in your house with a horse. Well, dad says, He ain't supposed to be in that house with a horse or without a horse. He's not get him out of Get him and his horse out of the house. Well, the cops say he won't come out. Come over and help, would you? So the old man shows up, and he uh, he uh, begins pleading with the cops for Junior to come out of the house. Junior, get out of the house with your horse. <laughs> <laughs> and so finally, evidently, Papa convinces Junior to open the door. The cops walk in and immediately see a big pile of horse manure in the middle of the living room, mm, that's a leading tell. them to believe that perhaps the report was correct and the horse was in the house. Turns out old Gary Jr. was incoherent, though, and nothing he said made sense except that he related to them that the horse was named Jubilee, which was the only part they could understand. Turns out that was correct. <laughs> so uh, finally, he opens the door to the bedroom, and uh, and and <laughs> the deputy wrote in a report, quote, it was at this time I observed a full-sized quarter horse standing in the middle of the bedroom. The horse calmly hung out while deputies took Coble into custody, although while they were trying to cuff him, he walked back into the house of the room, then back into the bathroom, they cuffed him up, they brought him down. The horse seemed to be just fine. Okay. Um, and this guy, he was either drugged up or incoherent or, or he was kicked in the head previously by a horse or as they might say in South Carolina, he's a bit touched. Anyway, 
They took him into custody for charges including livestock theft. He was already wanted on some other charges, uh, including <laughs> theft, petty larceny, and a previous incident in which he, here it comes, had thrown a mandolin into his neighbor's pasture. Which, as one journalist said, sounds as much like a Dadaist performance art as a crime. <laughs> Evidently, mandolin chucking is a crime in South Carolina. <laughs> is that the crime of impeding bluegrass or what? That's crazy. At least one case where the suspect was seen throwing a mandolin into a longtime neighbor's pasture. <laughs> oh, my God. What are you doing? Throwing mandolins and other instruments into my yard. You cut that out, boy. Speaking of music, Bill Maher had a comment on country music uh, in its current state from his show Friday night. And I kind of want to hear this, Michael. Can you play that for me? Country music has to admit it has a drinking problem. Apple Music's Today's Country Playlist includes the songs At the End of the Bar, Beers on Me, Wishful Drinking, Cold Beer Calling My Name, Drunk and I Don't Want to Go Home, Drinking Beer, Talking God, Amen, Cold as You, which is about beer, Can Can Down, which is also about beer, Tequila on a Boat and Throw It Back. Which raises the question, if the heartland is so great, why can't they enjoy it sober? Um, I, uh, I had a feeling where he was going with that because I listen to a lot of country music for my kids. It's part of it is it's hard to listen to any other radio stations, um, because the commercials they run are so not child. Okay. That's, I think that's one of the main reasons country music is so popular for, uh, mm-hmm. for families. But anyway, I do worry about the influence of the drinking on my kids. It is, it's so glorified. I mean, it is just absolutely nothing but good times, hot chicks, and it makes your life better. Every song, getting drunk, and not just drinking, well, even, but the, even the drunk. songs about even the songs about like drinking regret glorify it. Yeah, I mean they they they, they, they in a way, yeah, in a drunk, weird way. Drunk on a plane. My my son Henry, his favorite part is at the end of Drunk on a Plane. I'm passed out in the baggage claim. They just find that hilarious. So wow. yeah. <laughs> my kids are definitely growing up with this view of drink is just a it's a fun. Well, it can be a fun time. Trust me, I've had plenty of fun times drinking, but it's not only that. Yeah, and, you uh, know, I I went fishing not long ago and uh, the, the guy who had offered to take me out and show me the ropes. Um, he, he was a big country fan. So he was playing a bunch of country, some of his favorite playlists and artists and friends of his and stuff. I hadn't listened to a lot of modern country for a very long time, but you're absolutely correct. Number one, it, there's a lot of drinking stuff. But number two, that's where rock and roll went. I mean, to a large extent, guitar, bass, drums, mm-hmm. loud. Um, that's, that's the modern rock and roll, really. It, I mean, obviously there's other rock, but, um, and there's some good stuff. I just, it, it's, it's, I don't know. It's too on the nose to me. It's all about the, the, the lifestyle. Sing about something. How do you feel? How's your life going? Give me, give me a topic here. So, uh, coming up, we'll get to this story from the Washington Post. Afghanistan's military collapse, illicit deals and mass desertions. How it came to be that, uh, the Taliban could route the country in a week. Well, they've been working on it for a long time. The part we saw only took six days, but. They've been laying the groundwork for quite some time, so we'll uh, we'll get to that coming up. Um, the president is speaking at 
345 Eastern, is that correct? I That's correct. So. And uh, I don't know what he's going to say. Maybe he's going to do what Joe said earlier, just kind of a bland, do no harm, at least now you can say you said something, because he's getting a fair amount of fire over the weekend from left and right of, hey, where's the leadership on this? Where's the president going to say anything about We've been at war for 20 years, 600,000 deployments. Now, a number of those people did multiples, so it's not that many mm-hmm. people, but hundreds of thousands of people that night. Can, I know this from my, my own brother serving in Iraq a couple of times. Some gave all, but all gave some, as they say. I mean, you, you deploy into a war zone, it has an effect on your life, whether you're uh, killed, injured, or just away from your family and, and your, your outlook on life changed forever. But anyway... The, the, when it falls apart completely over the weekend, the president of the United States has s- some duty to speak to that, doesn't he? Uh, yes, and his silence has been met with uh, great disapproval. I just wonder whether he's going to try to blame Trump, I, because uh, some of his noises lately have gone in that direction, well, and that the, will not play. Those were all his noises over the weekend, and even lefties were raising their hands saying, hey, you've been president for six months. You could have not done, you, you could have not carried forward. With Trump's plans. So my thing is, I think he's got an opportunity to do himself even seriously more harm today. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And thousands of Afghan civilians desperate to leave this country have rushed into the airport, and many are comparing it to the U.S. withdrawal from Saigon, only worse. Afghans are thronging to Kabul's airport, desperate to get on planes and leave the country at any cost. They're scaling the airport's walls this morning, rushing in. There's no screening, no security checks, just force of numbers. When they do manage to push aboard planes, they're so crowded, pilots won't take off. And no one agrees to disembark. It's all happening just a few hundred yards from the military side of Kabul airport, now separated by a row of barbed wire from the civilian side. God, I wish you could see the videos on this. It looks like, actually, it looks like January 6th, the Capitol, the way people are climbing up on the walls and everything like that and knocking things down. That's what people are doing, trying to get through gates and into doors of the airport and onto planes and stuff like that. Well, then they're willing to beat anybody to death to get on those airplanes. And so, consequently, as he said, you've got hundreds of people stuffed into an airplane and it can't take off. Oh, my gosh. And they show the razor wire with people jammed up against the razor wire. So that's on the civilian side where you got the chaos. On our side, it's very orderly. And just, you know, the optics are not good of it. Looks like we're certainly protecting our people, but uh, y'all enjoy getting your head cut off. Sorry about your daughter. Yeah, well, that's the reality of it. So how did this happen so fast? Well, this is the best thing I've come across. This is from the Washington Post. This explains it all. How did they roll over a country in six days? This is how. Afghanistan's military collapse, illicit deals, and mass desertions. The spectacular collapse of Afghanistan's military that allowed Taliban fighters to walk into the capital yesterday, despite 20 years of training and billions of dollars in American aid, began with a series of deals brokered in rural villages 
between the militant group and some of the Afghan government's lowest-ranking officials. These deals were often called ceasefires over the last couple of years. You heard it all the time. I was barely paying attention, just like you, but you'd hear another ceasefire has been uh, negotiated. It wasn't a negotiated ceasefire. Taliban leaders were, in fact, offering money in exchange for government forces to hand over their weapons, according to an Afghan officer and a U.S. official. Over a year and a half, the meetings advanced to the district level and then rapidly onto the provincial capitals, culminating in a breathtaking series of negotiated surrenders by government forces, according to interviews with more than a dozen Afghan officers, police, special operations troops, and other soldiers. The Taliban capitalized on the uncertainty caused by the February 2020 agreement reached in Dohar, Qatar, between the uh, Taliban and the United States, calling for a full American withdrawal of Afghanistan. So they had a date, and they knew they were we were leaving at that point. So then they would just go to, as you heard there, starting at a very local level and making their way up to the, the capital of the various provinces. Some just wanted the money, an Afghan special forces officer said, of those who first agreed to meet with the Taliban. Others saw the U.S. commitment to a full withdrawal as an assurance that the militants would return to power in Afghanistan and wanted to secure their place on the winning side, which is as old this time. Mm-hmm. Sure, and they weren't listening to any PR about how the training's going well, they're self-sufficient, that we're really proud of them. They'd hear that and laugh if they heard it at all. Surrender and switching to the winning side are the same thing, just seen from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. The Doha Agreement, designed to bring an end to the war in Afghanistan, instead left many Afghan forces demoralized, bringing into stark relief the corrupt impulses of many Afghan officials and their tenuous loyalty to the country's central government. Some police officers complained that they had not been paid in six months or more. How hard is it to bribe a police officer who hasn't been oh. paid in six months? The day, was, the day the deal was signed, we saw the change. Everyone was just looking out for himself. It was like the United States left us to fail. So it started with that deal in uh, February 2020. We want to fight. If we surrender, the Taliban will kill us, the special off, special forces officer told uh, this reporter. Don't fire a single shot, the unit's commander told them as the Taliban swarmed the area. The officer later recounted, the border police surrendered immediately, leaving the special forces unit on its own. A second officer confirmed the colleague's recollection of the events. I feel ashamed of what I've done, said the first officer, but he said, if we hadn't fled, I would have been sold to the Taliban by my own government. Several officers with the Kandahar police said corruption was more to blame for the collapse than incompetence. Honestly, I don't think it can be fixed. I think they need something completely new, said unpronounceable, an officer in Kandahar's police force. Uh, then this quote, last time I saw you, the Taliban was offering $150 for anyone from the government to surrender and join them. He told a reporter as the interview drew to a close, do you know what the price is now? He didn't laugh, and several of his men leaned forward, eager to hear the answer. So it had gone wow. up, possibly. Yeah. So they just you know, they laid the groundwork for a year and a half, bribe by bribe, person by person. They knew they could just drive into those capitals. They'd already laid the groundwork. And I've been hearing this for 20 years. It's almost misleading to refer to it as corruption. It's the way they do business. It's the way they always have done business. It's what's expected. The stories of uh, in the Afghan military, you're you're a, a private, a corporal, whatever. You might get your paycheck, or your commander might just keep it. That was rampant. So yeah, it is corruption from a Western point of view, but it's just the way they do things. How much are you going to fight for your country if the person directly above you is keeping your paychecks because they're corrupt? 
Yeah. You're not going to yeah, fight no. for your country, and I'm using my finger quotes, because that doesn't, as we were talking about earlier, that doesn't mean anything to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, you got to admit, in a, and I know this is dark and awful, but you almost have to admire the Taliban's efficiency and 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 recognize their incredibly superior understanding of their own culture which is not shocking they practically were going town to town city to city like they were selling franchises or something they had their package hey uh you guys surrender your arms we'll pay you 150 bucks a piece nobody will get killed we'll just come in take care we'll uh, take command of the government um probably sometime in july after the americans start to pull out and the local officials would say, well, I don't particularly want my head sawed off. They seem sincere. And in every damn, well, almost every damn town, every damn official made the, made the agreement with the Taliban. Right up until Kabul. And Kabul had evidently made that same bargain. Sure would seem like it. And then the president of Kabul, who 24 hours earlier said, this is my country, I will die for my country, was on a plane out of there. Yeah, the president of Afghanistan. Yeah. 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 Um, it's for there not to have been one day, hell, there wasn't even an hour, was there, of running street battles? No, oh, no. There wasn't. I don't, the, the hardly a shot fired. Right. The only shots right. that anybody uh, claimed were fired were celebratory in the air shots. So they'd been sending their emissaries to the highest reaches of the government, probably for quite some time, explaining exactly how it was going to work. And then when they showed up on the outskirts of town, everybody said, oh, they're here. For better or worse. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, oh, at yeah. some well, point you just have to accept reality. I mean, I'm sorry. Everybody didn't say, oh, they're, oh, they're here. But the uh, the officials, the government officials, the soldiers, the policemen, they said, oh, now's the time. Okay, they're here. They're in charge. And and everybody who is helping the Americans or the uh, you know extra governmental agencies or the Brits or whomever is now fleeing in terror to the airport. But those in power expected it to happen, or so it would seem. How does uh, how does Toyota get the franchise for rebels around the world? It's a good, dependable pickup truck. Well, so is a compact. So is a Ford F one fifty or a Chevy. I just wonder, or a, a Nissan. I just wonder what what Toyota do? Do they have a deal with uh, rebel <laughs> leaders around the world? I, I don't think they do. Uh, I I don't know that much about the distribution of various uh, just interesting uh, car makers to various regions of the world. But yeah, obviously, you can, if you want a Toyota pickup truck in Libya, you can find one. Opinion piece in the Hill. Just came out. Biden, Harris, Saki, AWOL amid K-ball, Kabul chaos under Taliban. Yeah, where have all these people been? Uh, here's a very simple question regarding the national humiliation of a Taliban blitzkrieg that took back Afghanistan after 20 years. Why didn't we hear from the President of the United States as this incredible foreign policy crisis exploded over the weekend? Why did it take until late this afternoon to explain to Americans in the world what was happening and the import of what they've been seeing for the past two days or more? Here was President Biden's original schedule for Monday as Afghans loyal to the United States are being killed, forced into hiding, left in a lurch, etc. In the morning, the president will receive the president's daily brief at Camp David. The meeting will be closed to the press. And that was it. That was all that was on the schedule for today. Then late this morning, they announced he would return to Washington and give a speech at some point this afternoon. 345 Eastern, by the way. But uh, nobody said anything. Another question. Where is Vice President Harris? who bragged about playing a key role in Biden's decision in April to withdraw from Afghanistan. Maybe she didn't. Uh, Jen Psaki on vacation. 
It's pretty weird how dark they've gone on the communication stuff. I would say it is, yeah. Oh, man, I just came across that statement. I think you shared it from Nancy Pelosi earlier. The Taliban must know that the world is watching its actions. We are concerned about reports regarding the Taliban's brutal treatment of all Afghans, especially women and girls. Yeah. I don't know what what the hell else she's going to say, but the Taliban must know the world is watching. Don't give a damn. Please. They're putting out the videos. You don't have to sneak videos out of brutality. They put them out themselves, Nancy. Because I have a feeling she knows that. I... Uh, following the Twitter and some of the reporting from the Middle East, some of the stories I heard over the weekend and what the Taliban was doing town by town, just too horrible to even contemplate. Too horrible to even contemplate. They're raping and beheading as they cross the country. And mm-hmm. and 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 for our Secretary of State and the President and the Speaker of the House and various people to say, the Taliban needs to watch how they handle things because the world is watching them. No. Oh. And they'll be isolated on the world stage. Who I can't, I can't figure out who's that who that that's for. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly enough, here's Bernie Sanders' statement: Foreign policy matters. After 20 years of U.S. effort, the loss of 2,448 soldiers and trillions spent, Afghanistan was left with a corrupt government and an ineffectual military. At this moment, we must do everything we can to evacuate our allies and open our doors to refugees. Bernard Sanders. Well, that's a little closer to reality than some of those other people. The world is watching. Please. They're not trying to be Denmark. No. They want to be an Islamic caliphate. Right. That lives under their weird made-up, by the way, their weird made-up version of Sharia law. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, we're enslaving women. We told you we'd enslave women. That's what we do. If you'd like to be a slave, come here. We'll enslave you. The idea that they ought to be ashamed, please, that's who they are. It's a little embarrassing. Yeah, it is. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. We'll finish strong. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We mentioned this earlier. There was quite a turn on uh, Barack Obama over the weekend from uh, some pretty big names in the world of liberal opinion making that really didn't dig his birthday bash. Mm. Matt Taibbi wrote a long piece in Substack. You know, one point he made was that the people who got uninvited were all of Obama's staffers who put in 80-hour weeks to get him elected, to get his agenda going, no matter what you think of it. The people who'd slaved away to, like, make him the great hero Obama, they got disinvited, and various, like, reality show stars stayed on the invite list. Don Cheadle's there, but not uh, people that stood by you. Um, I screwed up. Maureen Dowd had a withering piece calling him Barack Marie Antoinette. And uh, and how um, how obsessed he is with like being looking cool and being a celebrity and stuff like that. But this was the worst one. Lawrence Tribe, who's a history professor at Harvard, who uh, who I n- never agree with on anything, but this is what he tweeted out over the weekend. 
as Barack Obama's longtime friend and a former law school teacher, oh, and his former law school teacher, as Barack Obama's longtime friend and his former law school teacher, and as an admirer of much that he and Michelle have accomplished, I find this whole over-the-top, hyper-opulent birthday saga utterly disgusting, pathetically shallow, and frankly nauseating. Yikes, that's some shot from your friend. That is pretty rough. Utterly disgusting and pathetically shallow. Wow. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) Then you get this headline from the uh, Babylon Bee. Uh, CNN praises Taliban for wearing masks during attack. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. There's another Babylon Bee one that I really liked. It came out this morning. Um... Got it right here. Right here for you in just a matter of seconds. Biden administration deploys elite squad of TikTok influencers to stop Taliban. Nice. Yeah. Nice. A couple more statements are coming out. Representative Seth Moulton, Democrat of Mass, to say that today is anything short of a disaster would be dishonest. Worse, it was avoidable. The time to debate whether we stay in Afghanistan is past, but there is still time to debate how we manage our retreat. I'm not sure there is. And then Ben Sass says something that I would agree with, but... Dot, dot, dot. He says the mission at this point ought to be simple. Bolster American troops and firepower until we can get flights running around the clock. The Taliban must not dictate when every last American, our courageous Afghan partners and their families are off the tarmac. Well, they currently are, according to the military people that I've uh, heard and we've talked to, the people who understand this sort of thing. The Taliban is letting us do this right now. We don't we don't have the firepower to dictate whether we come in or come out. I mean, you'd right. have to and if you'd have to clear out a giant area to secure that airport to where you could fly in and out without having to worry about, you know, rocket propelled grenades and everything like that. The Taliban's at the airport. Oh, and at this point point we would have to stage an invasion yeah. to get what ben sass is asking oh, for yeah, i yeah. usually agree with ben sass no no but yeah at it this would... point uh, the only uh, the only way we could get that many troops and firepower in is if the taliban says go ahead they control the airport and the land around it hey kids it's that time again with armstrong and getty here's your host for final thoughts joe getty just to finish that thought, the only to the extent that they don't have control of the airport is just because they've chosen not to take control of the airport or don't want to fight. Anyway, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew. There he is, pressing the buttons in the control room, Michelangelo. Michael, final thought. Yeah, we always have athletes kneeling. We have the woke crowd complaining. You know what? Your problems are really, really, really small. Be glad you were born in the United States. Good one, Michael. Amen to that. Young Alex is our producer. Alex, final thought? Yeah, you know, I just, after all the news today, I'm praying for all the women, children, and people of Afghanistan, hoping everything works out, but hard to see it working out well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack, final thought? I think this is one of those stories that is going to age poorly. I think as we get more details, more people come forward, more documents are released, this is going to look worse, not better over time. Uh, is anybody going to have to... Will anybody get fired? Will anybody resign? Will anybody lose their job over this debacle? Probably not. I will cede my final thought to Doc, the Navy corpsman, who says, 
I'm slightly surprised by the speed that it's happening, but having fought alongside Afghan soldiers, I'm not surprised by the outcome. I don't think I ever worked with a solid group of soldiers who would hold the line and not fall back under any form of effective fire. Trying to teach them basic emergency medical care was an exercise in futility. Even getting them to adequately apply pressure to a wound was nearly impossible. And evacuating casualties effectively? Forget it. Really? So did they just refuse to cooperate? It can't be that they're incapable of learning these things. No, I just don't think they had any will whatsoever. They showed up to get paid, period. That's it. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people will think so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. I have all sorts of great clicks under hot links for you. You can get some A&G swag if you like it. Drop us an email. Did you serve in Afghanistan? What were your observations? Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Got another video of people trying to jump on a plane as it flies out. Ugh. See you tomorrow. God bless America. Listen up, Jack Wagon. What are you doing? Worst episode ever. That's the fact, Jack. Have you considered being good at your job? I'm done with this. No, no, no. Sorry. I'm rubber and you're glue. Bad names bounce off me and stick to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's just complete, utter nonsense. You dare to dance in the path of greatness. It was epic. And that's it. Oh, Words. Damn. Whap. 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 Whoa. Whoa. Okay. On that high note, thank you all very much. <laughs> 